You're listening to the A Scully Cast, brought to you by www.ascully.com. And here are your hosts, A Scully and Sid Talk. We were just discussing the uh, before we started. Though I have no idea. My Firefox is being weird. Um, we were just discussing the Harry Potter movies and how there's two more to make after this one, and how. What's his this name? one that's coming out, not this one we're reviewing today. Yeah. No. <laughs> What's the guy's name? Pat, um, Harry Potter. Yes. <laughs> I don't know. Is that his official? Daniel Radcliffe. Daniel Radcliffe. And um, we were just saying, how the hell can he do two more Harry Potter films in that aren't filmed yet? Some kind of surgery. When, or he, when magic. he's at least thirty-eight years old. Magic. Now. There we go. Correct. He just needs the Hogwarts one. I said we're going to give him the uh, Benjamin Button treatment with this weird CGI. That's how he will be in, in the final episode. He'll be like a little man <laughs> who moves very little and just hobbles around. <laughs> so uh, this is... Uh, hey, we're back on schedule. We have a schedule? We have not been off schedule, young man. So, we do it every single week. So everyone who goes we to... a week. Everyone who goes to work on Monday morning and likes to listen to the podcast, this Monday morning... You're back to your old self. So, this is after the show number 71. It's Sunday, May the 24th, 2009. Uh, and we, this week we're going to be looking at the movie Valkyrie, which is a 2008 movie. Interestingly enough, it was released on Christmas Day in the theatres, 2008. And what better to celebrate Christmas Day than a movie about Hitler? Hmm. Perfect. Well, a movie about uh, attempting to murder Hitler. I mean, that's kind of a cheer. Na- Nazis is a great Christmas day for all the family. So uh, this Blu-ray disc, we're looking at the Blu-ray disc version, came out Tuesday 19th of May, which was Tuesday just, it's, it's already out, let's say. So if you live in North America, you can already pick up a copy. It's from our friends at Fox, and you're going to tell us what it's all about. It is a based on a true story of an attempt within the German... Third Reich to assassinate Hitler. One of many attempts. How many attempts was it? It said 15 at the end. It yeah. was the last of 15 attempts. And uh, it's basically just about that and how it came together. The people in, you know, who are actually in the military, almost directly under Hitler, who have realized, you know, something has to be done because they're losing the war at this point. Well, I think at every point, probably, but, you know, at this point, they're losing the war. They realize that the whole place is going to be completely taken down by the Allies, England, America, etc. I don't know how many other Allies there are, but... So, within this little time frame, there is a plot, and this is just lays it out. It's a little confusing to me, not terrible. I mean, I understand the gist of it all, but, you know... It's a historical kind of... Operation Valkyrie. Operation Valkyrie. Wait. And Valkyrie being... Wagner's Valkyrie. Right. But, I mean, in within the German Third Reich, Valkyrie was their plan in case of... Um, in case something were to happen within... I don't even know what it was exactly. It's for the reserves to it was- come into play to help take over in case of... An insurgent. I wasn't clear on that. So, so Valkyrie was actually an operation. They named it Valkyrie within the Third Reich, right? For the reserve army that was placed around Germany and around um, Europe 
to kick in in case of I don't know an attempted takeover or something. So a coup or a downfall or anything like it was, right. It was a, se- a backup plan. Right. That's all it was. So Valkyrie was that. As, I don't know, and he I, gives a little glimpse in the movie that Hitler, some arguably some would say was semi insane. Um, Says Not <laughs> you either. Well, I don't think you're an insane person if you pull that off. I mean, give him, no, give him, give, give being a bad person credit where it's due. He's just a bad fucker. You know, I mean, don't give him the out of being crazy. He was he was an asshole. So there's no crazy involved, really. He had to have some credit. It also, he was. It was bad, but... I think. He might have been unbalanced, but he was not yeah, crazy. Because then that, it, that, is, that excuses him, doesn't it? And I don't think he should be excused. No. But but anyway, he says to someone, you don't fully understand socialism until you understand Wagner. Which means that's probably where he and his men got the name of Valkyrie to name this operation, etc., etc. So there's like a, a lot of little tidbits like that. Okay, so this movie, uh, 2008 movie... I'll, the subplot for me was... Uh, an American movie star trying to make himself look really good by being the guy who wants to kill Hitler. <laughs> I think that's uh, <laughs> that's my own interpretation of part of why that, why that Tom was Cruise's Operation Valkyrie. Yes, <laughs> yes. I mean, how better can you try to win over people than be the guy speaking English as an American in a German movie trying to kill Hitler? Some would say at the end of a career. What's but, uh, What's Tom Cruise's right hand woman? producer she she called Wagner or Wagner or something not sure hey there's something there's a conspiracy <laughs> you know what I mean the woman who yeah, helped yeah. on Mission Impossible all that kind of stuff uh, anyway so there's nowhere to be seen in this one no I don't think it was anything to do with Cruz's mm. but you know it's uh, right this guy Singer Brian Singer anyway uh, so it's 2008 movie Valkyrie uh, overall um, just before we start was you a, a liker or a hater or a middle of the roader? Um, that's funny because I went through phases. Sometimes I was middle of the road, feeling it was a bit self-serving. Other times I was really into it because this is a part of Germans' history, right? As a country, as a as a culture that I know absolutely nothing about. To me, as an American growing up, sixty late sixties, seventies through my lifetime. German equaled Hitler. Now, that's... I'm not being rude. I'm saying that is the impression you get. That's the history you learn in school. That's everything. So this movie, as I'm going through it, it's dawning on me. Obviously. Yeah, not everybody follows the... Yeah, obviously. Well, yeah. And in that country, they're going to learn a different history. And in England, you're going to learn a different... In England, you do the same thing. You equal World War II and Germany with Hitler and evil and all that stuff. And for that... Then as I'm watching and thinking about the real people behind these characters and how it really is um, very, very rich with everything, the details and all that, I got sucked into it for a majority of the movie with that thinking. And that made me like it a lot. And then other times, there was no dislike. I, I think it was a re- I think it's a really important story to tell, seeing as it is a true story. And actually, from what I can gather, a very a pretty accurate portrayal on film of what of because they even used um, the, places, yeah, and real people who are around now who uh, relations like the grandson, yeah. as as um, I mean, advisors. And stuff. There are moments you're obviously never going to understand private conversations between people, no, people's emotional reactions and looks on their faces, things like that. You'll never know that. It's just extrapolated, I think, from the context of what 
a writer can pull together from other research. Now, one thing, you know, it's a small thing, but it the movie starts off with a, a narration by Tom Cruise in German. And then... With subtitle. With subtitles, which I thought was an excellent start to the movie. And then four lines in, he switches to being an American accent. Not even, doesn't even attempt a German nope. twang, nothing. It's just, he's, he's Tom Cruise speaking German, which is great. I was like, great, subtitled Tom Cruise actually doing German. And then he became American. It faded out and it the was, English faded yeah, and in. I, and I know they have to do that. It's an American movie and... But the weird thing is, all the oh, writing, don't. all the writing that you see, is all in German. Yeah, yeah. All the signs are in German. Even the title of the movie, the title card, is in German, and it morphs into English. Right. Like, um, but anyway, that part there. I mean, that's a tool to get millions of people to see the movie. It is exactly because. And for people like us, we because, we love subtitles. I love subtitles. Yeah, I, I wouldn't mind. have minded Tom Cruise doing the whole thing in German, but I, I, I that kind of, I knew. I'd seen the trailers, obviously, so I knew everybody in it was not going to even impersonate a German or anything. There it were was, a couple of actual German actors. There was. And they but spoke anybody, English. But <laughs> anybody who was a British actor or an American actor would just be British or American. Yeah, their own accent, even. There they was didn't, no... They didn't even do the hokey, like, uh, you know, the... Yep. I am Baron von Vatten. They didn't do none of that. They just kept uh, it. Luckily for us, they didn't do what yeah. you just did. <laughs> so, um... <laughs> That kind of, it it the you know I mentioned the reader and uh, that kind of it bothers me always, like if you're an actor, right? Like, and you're doing a the reader's another important like story to tell, you know. If you're doing a story and that, I think you should, and it's a, a movie set in that place. I think you should actually do the language. You should, but we have to consider it's a movie company who wants yeah. people to watch we, their movie. We can't override that just no. because and it is a distraction sometimes. It is to me. And I, I know, you know, I um you kind of go with the flow after a while because Yeah, it's just the way it. it's done there. You know that they actually took instead of just going straight off the bat doing Tom Cruise in American accent, they actually took three or four lines and got him to say it in German and then fade. I didn't like that at all. I think part of why it bothers me is with everyone speaking English and having English accent or even the German officers who are German actors speaking English, it somehow, psychologically maybe, puts in your mind that it's actually the British and Americans who are who are at the forefront of this In fact, you said to me... And it isn't. It was all German people, all German soldiers, all German people of this political little group. No one was American. No one was British. And you'd seen the trailer, and you said to me... I said to you this week, oh, it's going to be be an interesting film, this, about, like, some people inside the Third Reich trying to assassinate Hitler. And you said, oh, I thought it was Americans and English you tried. Yeah, exactly. Because you'd seen the trailer. And I'm afraid that's part... Obviously, through the movie, and you are very aware that they're German through their names and where they're at, and yet there's got to be something inside some people who are satisfied that it's the Americans and the British who are trying to kill Hitler definitely- and still vilify the Germans who want to support him when the, the, the heart of the movie is that not all Germans, in fact, probably the minority of actual German people, supported what was going on, so... That's a little bit of a weird thing, too. It is. But it's always a weird thing in any movie where you put American and movie stars, such as Tom Cruise, in a role like that. You I feel know? like Braveheart. They didn't speak any 
English, I'm sure, when that happened. The real thing. Yeah, and Schindler's, <laughs> Schindler's List, the Correct. same. There's, there's quite a bit of German in Schindler's List, to be honest, but not from, you know, the main, like, Liam Neeson. Is, right. Is, 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 he's the movie star, and it's like Tom Cruise, isn't it? But um, for me, overall, I, I was kind of like with you a bit. There's this opening uh, sequence, which uh, is very short, but really well done. It's um, when you're introduced to uh, Klaus von Straf- Stauffenberg, the main guy, who's Tom Cruise. You're, he's, in war, he's in the war in Africa, and they're, they're kind of losing to, to the British. And um, He's the part of the German, German movement, which also fascinates me, because yeah. I never think of the German thing in the war trying to actually take over the world. Yeah. I, I don't think I've ever really put it in perspective, but here you are with a platoon, is that what it's called, of German soldiers, officers, It was uh, Rommel's tanks. tank squadron. This right, was, um, that they're actually moving on to gain ground in North Africa, which means that Hitler's concept now, of taking... Now there well, are movies about that. Now they're that. getting what? the shit kicked out of them. So that's kind of where you're starting, and that's the start of the seed in his mind that all we're doing here is fighting for something that we're going to lose. So, yeah, there's this opening scene where, which is really authentically done with... Uh, really they awesome. Use, they use real Messerschmitts and they used... Messerschmitts. Um, you know, all the... It, anyway, the it's a, it's a desert battle. It's probably got some of the best sound I've ever oh, heard man, in a Blu-ray yeah. movie. You're like, hoosh. Because it kind of starts <laughs> off real mellow. And then as soon as the anti-aircraft guns start firing... It's like I was. I was just. I was like, like crap! What the? Heck? And it fills everything in your head, and like whoa. And then you can hear like explosions in the distance, pounding on the floor, and it feels like the roofs. It's coming from the roof. It's weird. Like it's. It was good. Really good. Um, and then so it starts off with this big action scene. So, if you're the kind of person who likes a war movie and likes action, you might be pulled in immediately. But then it. It's not really that kind of film, is it? It's more of a thriller. I think if you're the war-type movie person and you're into that, you're really going to like it because it's all about... It's like a chess game of plotting, planning... It's a thriller, I would say. Yes. And it's taught. Moving, uh, manipulating people, lots of social engineering going on, as Kevin Smith would probably be... uh, Has learned, you know, social engineering where they're... Kevin Smith. Not Kevin Smith. Mitnick, you mean? No, yes. And the other Kevin, too. Uh, dig guy right because they like that where you're manipulating someone purely on emotion and trying to get them to do things and you know I think if you're a war enthusiast or history enthusiast that's going to be an interesting you'll love it what I was getting at was though there is a battle sequence at the beginning and that's about it for your main action because the rest of it is it's mostly dialogue and uh, yes there are some explosions and stuff but and an interesting thing about it is because you know Hitler wasn't assassinated by yep. what history has taught you. I thought that would take away from the suspense, but I don't think it did at all. Even no, though no. I knew that he was not going to get assassinated. Because what you are and what there were the suspense is what's going to happen to these people. Yeah, exactly. Because you are, you're on side with these people because these people are for the greater good. Like right. Um, so I think it's an int- that is an interesting thing because when I first heard about it, I did think to myself well I know what happens Hitler kills kind of, himself yeah he kind of you know he's not gonna it's not this guy who kills him so. but then, uh, then at some point I actually thought hmm, maybe we're gonna see some theory where this plot actually did cause the death and that's one of those secret conspiracy things that he didn't commit suicide you mean like an alternate reality yeah, yeah. well no that 
that maybe what we think we know is not right, right. and that there are suspicions that these this plot did was a success and everything, but obviously this plot wasn't a success, but it, it was pretty close. It was it was the kind of it, Right up to the last minute, it looks like it's going to work. And it involves more than just assassinating him. Oh, it's a big plan. It's, like, yeah. huge. It's, like... And it's also, like, um... It, there's, there's moments in the movie that are so suspenseful and make me want to, like, sit on the edge of my seat. And one of them was, and it's nothing, really. But um, the Tom Cruise character, Stauffenberg, goes to meet Hitler at um, his private house in the mountains. And he's... Basically, um, Tom Cruise has rewrote this project, this um, Valkyrie Valkyrie project, uh, rewrote the wording of it, kind of in a lawyer way or whatever, to say stuff that right. That's a, is, it's an uh, actual, is, for, is for their side. Yeah, like, to, the original Valkyrie's written. It's a whole like a you know hundred page lo- order document. Yeah, a document so that if when it happens and the order's given, this is the manual they have to follow to make Valkyrie. Valkyrie is supposed to then ensure that Hitler's Pay stays in power, but he's rewritten it in a way, yeah, in, secretly in a clever, loyally way. Right. So, so like, so it's for the Valkyrie people will take over. Right. So he's wrote, all, he's rewrote this entire document, and he's coming to Hitler's private house in the mountains to present it to Hitler because it needs Hitler's signature. And it's just this moment where he, it's a tense moment because there's all kinds of leaders in the room, weird, uh, you know, the real Nazi generals, Lots real top paranoid. brass. And um, he, you know, it's, he places the book down and Hitler's just not really looking at it. He's just, but he could be and he couldn't be. You're not sure. Like, I, I'm thinking any second he can turn around and just say, like, he knows exactly what it is. But he's not. He's kind of like, and then the moment when he puts the pen on the paper and the relief from the two guys is it's really um, a tense scene. Yeah. Even though there's not really a lot going on. The thing that did make that so tense for, the, for me was because at other points in the movie there are, uh, signatures being forged, why not just forge that signature? You know what I'm saying? That was the only thing that kind of. I guess because it, cause it's the top man and like it. I don't know. I don't you know. know why <laughs> that so that scene was it was the same for me. But then I'm thinking, I'm thinking, the whole objective here is to get a signature when someone could just scribble it on there and then make copies and that's it. And they're also using these weird explosives that are like cutting edge. So it's like a, the time. it's almost like James Bond kind of miniaturized fuses to stick inside C4 explosive. And you basically stick them in the C4 and then crush the ends of them. And it's an acid fuse that when they ask the expert like what, what it does, it go, oh, well, anywhere between 15 and 30 minutes, it will go off like... 10 and 15. Yeah, whatever, you know. Yeah. And then, so like there... So when Tom Cruise... You know, is going to assassinate Hitler and he crushes the fuses and they're in his bag. He has this, and he it keeps be, saying and to it's himself, hot. It's hot he keeps outside. saying to himself, plenty of time, plenty of time, plenty of time. But it's like, a, there's a lot of tense scenes like that where you're thinking, you know, a guy with a briefcase full of C4 that he doesn't know when he's going to go off. It could be right now, it could be in 50 minutes, it could be in two hours be never- for all he knows. Yeah, it, you know, it's this tense stuff. Um, a lot of the tense stuff's just dialogue and like thinking, Whenever any somebody's in a room with Hitler, for some reason, you know Hitler is obviously like an infamous character. Doesn't matter who plays him, the guy who plays him, whatever. You understand the importance of that room and how people are to mm-hmm. towards him and how scary it was because he would 
if you did something wrong or you stepped out of line, your life was on the line immediately. So it all makes a gripping kind of yeah, it does. tale for me. So There's not... That part isn't emphasized enough for me. You mean Hitler's... Uh, the um, Yeah, the wrath of um, conspiring against him or... Even the simply, they mentioned several times, oh, we could be arrested for anything, oh, our families could disappear. But you don't, it's kind of like a bad guy who, I, I would say, arguably, in our modern history of the last few, several hundred years, he's the most infamous, quote-unquote, bad guy, and I'm not diminishing what he's done. I'm saying evil figurehead, you know, who's done horrible things. But you don't, in this particular telling of the tale, we're not seeing, it's all about the bureaucracy, it's all about, you know, we all know what he's done and what's happened because of his leadership, and now we have to put it, come in it to an end. So you never feel the actual, you know. We also say this is a PG-13 representation of true, Hitler's journey. True, true, I guess that's why then. Yeah, so you don't see no atrocities, really. I mean, I guess I was thinking at any time... Somebody's going to be the dispensable guy like from Star Trek who you don't really get to know but all of a sudden he gets thrown to the wolves and he's going to get a bullet to the head right in front of everybody so right. everybody tightens up. There's none up. of that, is there? No. <laughs> but there again, I just from without them telling me anything, just from what you know about Hitler and seeing other and knowing in history what he did. Isn't that awesome? Plus that he was you have that in your yeah, mind. Yeah, that, that's what I'm saying. That it's it's more like, that's what I was getting at. It doesn't matter who plays him. Once you see the guy with the moustache and the hair sweeps across, you, you know specifically that is Hitler. There's a whole lot of baggage that comes with him, isn't there, that you don't even need to be told. Yep. Because nope. you're just like, okay, this is 1940... 43, 44, 45. He's already putting Jews into a... Yep. You know, he's already ethnic cleansing. He's already doing that. So he's a... You know, he's a And everyone's like afraid him. of him. And yeah. that's why it seems like such a complicated thing to get to him and then also the movie also um, interestingly enough didn't like Hitler you know you see Hitler quite a few times in this movie he doesn't seem as protected as he might needed to have been he's it's a different time though wasn't it yeah I mean and there was yeah, a huge yeah. assumption that if you were in that inner circle inner whatever that you were on side I think I really um so for me like what what I was getting at anyway was uh you know when you said like you're into it out of it into it out mm-hmm. of it so was I but I think at about the a third of the way in I was into it till the end then like it was the beginning part that kind of wavered me about a bit I was just trying to get used to it Tom Cruise <laughs> for some reason I think he was the right guy for the job to be honest but now I've seen it all I actually think he did well in um, it. Well, we'll go on to the yeah. cast in a minute. All right, let's go on to the cast. Okay. So we got Tom Cruise as Colonel Klaus von Stauffen- Stauffenberg? Stauffenberg. Stauffenberg. Stauffenberg, isn't it? Yeah. Yes, Stauffenberg. Um, so, yeah, no, he's, he's a real person in history who, I, you know, well, well, we said this earlier, this was all done. This was all real right. life. Um I don't think that it was necessary for Tom Cruise to be in this movie, and I no, don't feel like he brought anything special or interesting at all. There was no... I mean, he was I fine. I like watching him. He was fine, because on one hand, I like that he didn't draw attention to his normal bravado stuff. You know I mean? The Tom Cruise aura. <laughs> there was, wasn't was any of that. Oh, we have to say that, it was like, not very glamorous. this colonel, um, when he was in the African, mm-hmm. he... 
was injured. He lost an eye, he lost one hand, and he lost two three, fingers, on, two the fingers on the other hand. So Tom Cruise plays this role not as the handsome Tom Cruise, as a guy who's like had war. Oh, come on, he's only got an eye patch. He's got an eye patch and a missing <laughs> arm, a stump, and he's also got. A, yeah, but ninety percent of the time, all we see is. A what I'm saying is, he's down. not. I wouldn't class him as the handsome, done-up Tom Cruise kind of guy. He's, you know, he's. Su- I think he's subdued. I yeah, w- I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be a girl. That's what I'm no, saying. Tom Cruise. That's what I'm saying. Him. There's none of that Tom Cruise. Wait, that's aura. what I was saying. I just yeah. wanted to explain that you know that he was an injured. Kind but of I guy. don't think he was necessary, other than the fact that when the producers got their teeth into the fact that Tom Cruise was going to be in it, they were going to make a whole lot more money and get a lot more money to make the movie. I don't think, as it's telling the story. I think a complete unknown would have been perfectly oh, fine. Or, or somebody else. And I thought it was re- I really was irritated by somebody saying, "Oh, doesn't it give a movie so much more authentic um, credibility?" Bill Nye, he said that that they're known people. Millions on the of street. people. No, the producer guy's the one that said it, but went on to explain. No, no, the guy who said just seeing familiar faces and oh, the editor said it, and having oh, yeah. well-known actors really gives a movie credibility. I can play. I think that's bullshit. I think that I could watch a movie. With oh, I've seen I've movies. Never seen. I've seen movies with people I've never seen in my life, and that as well. Yeah, and I think that's a horrible seed to plant in people's mind that you can you have to discredit unknown actors and performers just because they're not famous. And with that, you throw out all the fantastic movies that you would be, you know, that you could experience. So I didn't really like that. So, so. yeah, it's, he is to, it, it is Tom Cruise at the end of the day. Um, I actually thought he was perfectly fine. Uh, just. No, it's not an amazing performance. You wouldn't go, oh, that's an Oscar-worthy performance. It's just... There's a lot of looking. You, it's utilitarian. <laughs> yeah, a lot of one-eyed looking. <laughs> <laughs> it's u- utilitarian. Right, that's what it is. He's just He does it, and it's fine. But there's better people, better performances than Tom's in the movie. And some of them being from Kenneth Branagh, the famous British actor. I really, really love Kenneth Branagh. People say, oh, he's really pretentious, and he's... Mr. Shakespeare and all that, but I think he's got an air of he's a you know do you know what I'm saying like mm-hmm. a totally authority or something. I I don't want to stop watching him. Like oh he's he's good that guy. But Kenneth Kenneth Branagh plays General Henning von Tresco, which is one of these inside. You know he's, yeah he he's good. And then I feel sad because yeah you know don't talk about it. No, you know what I'm saying. Um, Bill Nighy as General Friedrich Fromm. This is a they, all these guys here pretty much are the inside circle slash. Nighy wasn't from. That other guy was from. Oh, is this wrote down wrong? Yeah, I think so. I mean, that's not that big a deal because the other Bill, guy was. From. Yeah, Bill Nighy was General Friedrich Albrecht. Yeah, the um, other guy from Sun's room, Wilkerson. Right. So yeah, Wilkerson, it's just Tom Wilkerson. Yeah, Tom Wilkerson is from um, General Friedrich. Hey, the book called General Friedrich. General Friedrich. Yeah, that's probably why I wrote it down wrong because Bill Nye and Tom uh, Wilkerson maybe. are right next to each other, and they're both called General Friedrich something. I know the difference. Right. Name. So anyway, Bill Nye he is General Friedrich Albrecht. Right. Exactly. And uh, he is to me. He he's fantastic. I yeah, love I, I love, I love Bill Nye a hundred percent. And this character has to be the weaselly guy who. Starts out being an initiator of the resistance, and then because it dawns on him, of course, through all of it, 
that he's going to lose his position. He it could, could lose be pinned his on life. him. So then he kind of wavers, and then he's kind of becomes a weasel, and then he doesn't, and then he. So he's a really he's the most compelling character. I think he doesn't he doesn't stand a hundred percent. He doesn't make efforts to sabotage, and sometimes doesn't make efforts to even further the resistance. He's on the he's fence. A bureaucrat. Like, doesn't want to lose his standing, and whatever side things turn out on, he wants to be there, kind of, sort of. There's an interesting line where the telecommunication telegraph people yeah. are, uh, you know, in the war everything was telephone, but it was like old telex, old telegraph exchanges, and all these old, these telegraphs are coming through from Tom Cruise's character's faction and from Hitler's faction at the same time to this one command centre, and this guy turns to the other guy and says, "Well, you know, kind of what, which one, which, we're have which to rules are we saying? Yeah, we're gonna." <laughs> and he's like, "You know, it's what, we what just it, have to hope that when it all comes it, down, we're on the we right really, side. We land on the right one. Yeah. So that was an int- interesting position to be in with these two orders from two right, sides. Right. Because what that pointed out was at that point in time with technology, what it was, if that was an accurate portrayal of how that moment went down, right? You're gonna have to take a little bubble of believability." And say, if that telegraph operator had chosen a different way, we're not going to go with this, we're going to go with that, everything would have turned out completely differently. Yeah. So, it was an interesting moment. This movie had a lot of those moments where I kept thinking to myself, wow, things would have been different if this would have worked, and this thing was nearly working. Coincidence It was very close to not working. It was, like, the minutest of... It's like a hair of it working. In fact, yep. if you know, if Hitler would have died, then it would have been a whole different that, thing. yeah, a whole different kettle of. Did he really commit suicide? Really, really? According or to history books, yes, he did. Yeah, but but on. who knows? Like, really, you know, unless she was in that room with him. True. And the other guy, Rommel, uh, not Rommel. Who's the other guy? His mate is the one they they wanted to be Hitler and Himmler, wasn't it? Himmel. Himmler. It was Hitler and Himmler. I thought. I thought it was Himmel. But anyway, those two guys were the, in the war room when he killed himself, supposedly. But I guess you don't know, do you? Because nobody was there. So, But he was... When he did supposedly kill himself, Hitler, they were in the end, shit street. It, it was pretty, <laughs> they were pretty much one. It was like the end of the road. It kind of sucks for people of the resistance in Germany at that time. Because, first of all, you are committing treason against your country theoretically, according to the government that existed at the time. And on the other hand, you're still a war criminal, according to the rest of the world. So you're fucked either way. You have, there is no winning. Now, these people, Stauffenberg and whatnot, they have been kind of revered and held up in a little teeny tiny bit of their history. Like, they're not, there's one little memorial to them and all that kind of stuff. And yet, when you really look at the big picture, they were part of Hitler's Germany, um, the political system. So that made them war criminals. And then they turned against it, which made them treasonous against their own leaders. So they were kind of in a bad uh, bad way there. Okay, so moving on to the ca- on with the cast, we've got Tom Wilkinson as the other General Friedrich, and that's from... Yeah, he, played, he was a jerk, man, but he did a good job. Him and Nighy are both excellent, always. Yeah. And if I had to give you a Nighy recommendation... I would give you Girl in the Cafe. It's amazing. Oh, yes. Probably good. under. Probably not many people have seen it either. either. I say Pirates of the Caribbean. No, as I would say Girl in the Cafe. It's, it's, I think it's uh, amazing. It's awesome. Or Love Actually. He's fantastic in Love he Actually. Also is, yeah. 
I don't care what name. Everybody who thinks that's just a fluffy love story, meh, I don't really care. It's fantastic. Especially when he turns... Um, you love it, I love it. Antar Deck. Yeah. <laughs> well, Antar Deck. <laughs> I love that. And then he writes on the thing, I love cock or whatever. <laughs> it's really funny. But, uh, so, then there's... Yeah, we've done the Tom Wilkinson. And then there is Carice Van Houten as Nina Von Stauffenberg. Now, this is, um... Tom's wife in right. this piece. She's not in it very much. No, but... I liked her. Yeah. Well, Can't yeah. really say much about her. She <laughs> no. wasn't in it very much. Um, he was also... You have to think of this character, man. He's not a character. He's a man. He had four children, one on the way, beautiful wife, big house. He was wealthy, an arist- um, aristocrat. Had a certain position in life where he would always be, you know, taken care of or whatever. And yet, for whatever reason, he decided through the whole process that he... Wanted to bring it all down. That's all I had to say about that. Nothing about the wife, really. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's Terrence Stamp as Ludwig Beck. Um, Terrence Stamp is... I like Terrence Stamp a lot. I always have. He's another one who has an air about mm. him. Um, so his name was Ludwig in the movie? Maybe that's what... Mm, okay. What? Nothing. I can't say it. Now that I've started it, never mind. <laughs> Nice. Never mind. No, I like him too. And and I said he wasn't creepy in this one. He was like, no, he was good. And we saw. I him, like that. We it, saw him in Yes Man. That was the last thing we yeah, saw. Yeah, true. In, where he was kind of a creepy Insane. weirdo. <laughs> I like that he put his suit on instead of his uniform. This character. And when he said, "You're wearing your suit," he said, "I want this to be a movement of the people, yeah. not a political thing." So. And uh, you know, uh, and l- last but not least is Eddie Izzard, who's a popular British comedian who played General Eric. These are hard names to pronounce. Felgibi, is it? No, it's probably not. Was he the one in charge of the switchboard, that guy? Yeah, with the glasses. Who had to cut off the communications. Yeah, yeah. he was the baddie in My Super Ex-Girlfriend. Yeah, he was I, good. I really like it. I've not seen him in a serious role, ever. So I thought he did pretty well. Yeah, there's not much to it either, really. The scene where he was... Um, there's some glancing and... The scene some... where he was yelling at Tom Cruise in the bathroom was pretty good. True. I thought that was pretty good. Um... Tom, Tom had his scene, eye in the sink. That scene remind me of uh, Scrooged because Bill Murray thinks he sees an eyeball in his in his highball, and then there's actually an Tom eye was watching his, his eye in the sink. <laughs> <laughs> in his hand. Yeah. So this movie was uh, directed by Brian. Oh, who was the guy who got injured in his face? And he looks really severe, and he was kind of like a henchman of Hitler's. And always looking very suspiciously at everyone. He's really thin. Pointy nose. And he's the one that... They showed him after a certain thing. And he's like all injured on his face. Um, not to look that up. But he was good. I liked him too. He looked intense and menacing to me. He was the most menacing of them all. I know which one you mean, but I don't know his name. But there, um, there's a lot of people in, these, in this movie. We just picked the uh, main ones there. Um, this was directed by Brian Singer. Who also directed The Usual Suspects, X-Men, X-Men 2... And uh, his very first movie that he directed called Public Access, which we happened to see. We did. Which I didn't like very much. But we... I liked it. I did mean, you I didn't like it? Like it I didn't it like was, it. Yeah. It was a bit odd, but it's a... It, it wasn't it's odd. It's a bit. really non-professional... It was about this guy who moves into this small town. And then he makes this... He gets on the Public Access TV station... And has this phone in. It's when was it set? Like the fifties? Like the nineties? No. Oh, was it the nineties? It just had a. 90s. It just had an old style. Um, and then he. God, I don't even remember exactly what it was. 
I say you watch it. Public access. And didn't he do... He did Superman. Brian Singer. Did right? He? I thought he did. The new Superman. Who directed the new Superman. Uh, Superman Returns. Don't know. I'd have to type that in and look. <laughs> oh my god. Anyway, talking about Brian Singer, is that what we're moving on to? The oh director? yeah, Superman. Yeah, he did do Yeah, Superman. I was really surprised. You Superman for- Returns was pretty good. I liked it. I didn't love it, it but never, I liked it. Mustn't it. Have been I successful. liked it with enthusiasm. But it I mustn't have been it. successful because we haven't got... Like, because it was set up at the end for a new one. Like, we, you know, oh, this was the beginning of Superman's story, and now we're going to get... And it never came about, did it? So, usually, well, he was making this. So. Yeah, well, within two years, usually, if something's huge... like No, because X- he said, when I make a movie, I devote a whole year of my life or more to it, 100%. Yeah, but he made two X-Men movies in the space of two years. Right, but each of those movies he devoted the whole time to, right? Separately. So he can't be crisscrossing over. Superman only came out what? He directed last year? a movie called. Um, oh, he directed three episodes of House MD in two thousand and four, uh, and. And for anyone out there who happens to enjoy it when I disagree with Ace Scully, there you go. Another one of those times when I and disagree he, um, with him. Directed a TV movie called Football Wives in two thousand and seven. So do you think he all of two? Yeah, I guess yeah, because he only does something once every year. Yeah. So I don't know about the new Superman movie. He's doing a new movie, Brian Singer, anyway, called Prisoners, 2011. And you want me to kill him in 2009. Very nice. So, yeah, Brian Singer, I think he's pretty good. I like him. I this, like this was pers- a, this personality. Was, I like the way this l- looked, and I like the... It's a very rich, detailed movie. And I, I watched another David Fincher movie this um, week, which I'll mention later. But he's very detailed too, and you can tell like there's a lot of effort gone into it. And the, yeah. this movie was a personal thing for everybody. It seemed. I mean, this was a movie. This Valkyrie, they actually filmed it in the places these real events took place. That had to be sensitive. Yeah, I don't think. I think when going into it, all of them kind of, you know, it was kind of like, oh, awesome, we get to go really to the things. And get then there, when you get must... there and you realize you're just a bunch of Hollywood pricks making a film, this well, country. No, I'm saying, when you look at it as if it's like, ooh, like romping around and making our movie, you have to realize this was human history that took tragic things that happened to real live people, and it kind of put them in their place, I think, a little bit. I'm not saying Brian Singer was a prick, I'm just saying, (laughs) when you look at something that superficially, that makes you kind of a prick, but then it seemed to kind of crawl into all of them that, you know, we're telling a real story here. Right, so um, we looked at the Blu-ray disc of uh, Valkyrie. It was very nice. Picture and sound. I'm looking at it now. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting cover. I yes, I like, like that cover. cover. I do too. It's um, it's not overly Nazi-ish, and yet you get the idea. Yeah. It doesn't have a full swastika on it that you can see, although no, it's it, there. Yeah, it is there, but it's kind of yeah. not there. Um, anyway, uh, we watched the Blu-ray disc. I thought it looked really good. I The sound was definitely a standout, and that bit beginning scene in particular... The typing in the room where they're yeah, taking... Oh, my God. That was too. awesome. Like, yeah. it was overwhelming. Like, it, like, Just imagine being those ladies. Like, the typing type was everything. coming from every direction. Yeah, it was good. Um, so, the Blu-ray disc comes with... A, it's a two-disker. You get the movie, and you also get a digital copy of the movie for your... You also get this new thing in here, which I found, which is a uh, $5 off any... Um, Anything? Any MG... <laughs> Any MGM or 20th Century Fox war movie. Hmm. Any. It seems you can only choose between these war movies, which is stuff like Patton, 
uh, Wind Talkers, The Longest Day. But it's a $5 certificate if you go to Walmart or some other Target, Kmart, yeah, you just, any store. Or can you do, use it online as well? You can... Has it got a code on it or something? No, you just take it into the store. Participating retailers, you just go to the URL and it'll tell you which ones are. I'm sure it's most of them. But you just take it and they take it off you as cash. So that's pretty good if you're going to, you know, Patton's actually mm. a good movie to own. I think it's really good. Um, but we digress. So there's extras on this disc. We've got to mention about the Blu-ray menu for this um, particular. Yep. I'm the menu person. I'm going to say we like the cover. The menu. Yeah. The, menu the cover, the menu's in this style. Yeah, it's got like a yeah. picture above the black and white and then a red thing across the bottom where you have to, you pick play scenes or extras, right? Or whatever they call it on there. You get to the extra thing and then another little sub thing pops up above it, like a flash looking slider thing. Now what you have to do is you have the, it says, you know, commentary by Brian Singer and a little arrow. So you have to forward toward, you have to slide through this thing. To get to the extra you want, right? Then you watch that extra, and when you come back, you have to slide through the whole menu again to get to the next extra. And that's just kind of a pain in the ass. Just make a list, give us the navigation, be done. Yeah, and most most do give you yeah. that kind of list. It's just this one was a bit odd. Uh, this was a Fox MGM DVD. And also we watched recently, but didn't review it, the um, X-Files, uh, the new X-Files movie. And that also had the same navigation. So it must be just a Fox Yeah, well, thing. let's let them know right now. Anyone at Fox who's listening or who knows someone from Fox, just give us every DVD author person, in fact. Just make a list. I will make say. Make it look, if you want to customize it, I don't care. That's fine. Put a nice picture behind it or some weird sound effects or anything cool. But give us a big, long list and we navigate with our little remote control or controller, whatever you got. I would say, Fox, take a look at what Disney do. It's perfect, because <laughs> it just comes up with this big box, and everything's in it, and you scroll up and press the one you want. Right. And it's perfect. It, it works great. You control. I can do without it. Too many things to pick from. I just want one list. Correct. You know what I'm saying? In fact, right on the main thing, when you go to extras, everything should be there. Just like it was on old DVDs. And correct. <laughs> <laughs> You know, you can add you can add your fancy scrolling and stuff, but you know. Um, so, disc one features um, an audio commentary with Tom Cruise, Brian Singer, and the co-writer and producer Christopher McQuarrie. Yep, McQuarrie. And then there's a second audio commentary by Chris, Christopher McQuarrie and Nathan Alexander, who is the co-writer. The two guys who wrote it. So you get those two. Now. Then there's something called Real Pieces with Tom Cruise and Brian Singer recorded live at New York's 92nd Street Y. Uh, I'm not 100% clear on what that is. No. But I wasn't a fan of it. It's a lady. She's a writer. Don't, don't like, she actually writes for, I think, the New York Post. She referred to an article she wrote in the New York Post. Yeah, she's she's like a movie critic or something. I'm not sure. I'm just saying she's not just some lady. It's in the style of... Kind of. Like the actor's studio. It's uh, on a stage and it's a direct interview. Like, um... Yeah. Uh... What do you call Just that, in an interview. She asks them questions and they talk about the making of the Yeah, it lasts about 45 minutes. Um, It's in standard definition. That's uh, what I'll tell you about it. It's just like she's so excited because she's talking to Tom Cruise. And she asks all the same standard questions that any 
person would come up with by looking at the movie. Oh, why did you choose this role and stuff like she that? She seems enamored, seems... doesn't she? Like, like she's yes. oh my god, look who's in the room with me. So that later she can tell the story of getting Tom Cruise to come to the you know. And I'm not saying that to be snotty. I'm just saying it wasn't that appealing. And I don't. I get offered interviews all the time. Like we've we've been a we've had the opportunity to interview Tom Cruise. We've had the opportunity to interview lots of people in person. On, on the telephone, generally. Really? Yeah, I get, I get, you know, press people approach me all the time, say, "Do you want to book an interview with Christian Bale for next week?" Because he, he'll be phoning a billion people up on Wednesday. I'm never really that interested. Mm-hmm. I don't. I feel that I see enough interviews with them. I feel that they must be like so, like answering banal questions from people. We could think of some really bizarre questions. We could, but there's also a billion other people out there who. Who feel bizarre questions as that's their shtick, right? But then we never see that, so all we see are the boring ones. Oh, I ones. do. I see. I see some of the weird ones too. Like where? Like slash film. They they uh. they they will um, ask odd questions. But what I'm saying is, we do get the. I've never really been. Even though I could talk to Tom Cruise because I've been asked, do you want to talk to Tom Cruise on the telephone? Millions of people jump. I'm not particularly no. interested in it. It's like I, it's that man behind the curtain thing. I'm fine with famous people from a distance. They don't impress me. I don't care about if one brushed up against me. I don't know how I would react right at that moment, depending on who it was. But yeah, I wouldn't like salivate. Well, put it this way, right? I've had famous brush-ups in the past. I worked in a shoe store. Right, we, I, you know this story, mm-hmm. but I'll tell it to the microphone. <laughs> and one of, well, one of my favorite bands, if not favorite bands, is Oasis. And I was working in a sports store um, that sells training shoes. It's quite a trendy training shoe store. And one morning, in walks Oasis, and there was only me in the store. <laughs> and I thought, it's Oasis, you know, I listened to the records. The record was probably on right then, you know. It didn't freak me out at all. I was just like, what do you, what do you want? Served them, jovial with them, and then they left. It didn't kind of affect... Yeah, but you tell the story. so that Oh, means- I'll tell the story because I know people would be interested. Exactly, so you're telling the story because it does have an impact on you. Otherwise, you wouldn't give a shit at all and never retell also, the story. Also, another funny story on the subject of brushing up with famous people. I was also working in the same shoe store one, mm-hmm. mo- one morning. A Ferrari pulls up outside the door, and in walks this guy. I'm not a football fan. I have no idea if... Football is in... Soccer. Yeah. This is in Manchester in the UK. I have no idea. The most famous football soccer player in the world could walk up to me, as he did on this particular day, <laughs> and I have no idea who he is. And it wasn't Pele. No. <laughs> and, this, and this is what's funny about it. So, Mr. David Beckham walks in. He asks for a pair of shoes. I don't know. I have no idea who he is. He asks me for a pair of shoes. I shout down to the guy in the stock room. Do you have this pair of shoes? The guy in the stock room has a... They have a camera down there with a looking yeah. into the shop floor. So he sees David Beckham and he's like a nut. A Manchester United nut. And he goes... Uh, he radios up to me and says, Yeah, I've got them shoes. Just come here a second. And I look down the stairs and he's going... <laughs> freaking out. Like, and I'm like, what? What? You know, and then... And then David Beckham paid for the shoes. And I took his credit card... He signed his thing. I looked at his name on the credit card. I didn't know his name. I looked at the name David Beckham, and then he walked out. And then my stock room boy came up, and he's like, "How was David Beckham? Do you know who?" Did? And I'm like, "No, I have no idea who that guy was." So that that's funny. I think that's kind of my 
But, like I said, you retell the stories. So no, because I know the people. Yeah, but it has, exactly. So it still has a little bit of cachet because you know when you tell people. I'm just saying, like, be, some people be would freak out, impressed. right? Yeah. No, no, I'm not telling it to be people impressed. I was just telling it as, that it's so funny because how many people would want to meet David Beckham and he stood right in front of my face? I had no idea who he is. You were probably impressed with the car. Oh, yeah, I was, because I was going, whoa, look at that car. It's right outside the door, and you're not supposed to park there. That's what I was thinking. Oh, some guy parked. So somebody else was taken by David Beckham and said, oh, sure, sir, sure, Mr. Beckham, you can park where no one was, else is ever allowed to park. I think he park. just parked there thinking, if you get a ticket, so what? <laughs> you know, like, it doesn't really matter. But anyway, digress. <laughs> but there's some interesting The point stuff. was, we're not impressed necessarily with... Most famous interview, famous people interviews. There are some that are compelling and interesting and fun, and this one wasn't to me. So there's that. It's it's quite. I still a long... don't know what ninety two Y is. No, I have no idea either. I'm sure it's something that it's we film and history, something or other. And then uh, yeah, because we watch a lot of DVD extras and have never come across that before either. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Then there's uh, the Valkyrie Legacy documentary, which is actually a two hour movie. This. The same length as the movie, interestingly enough, on the history of this real tale. So if you want Not just the tale, but I think Germany, how the Third Reich came about, all that kind of so stuff. So if you want real... Because, it, it, you know, the real story behind this movie, it's quite an extra. I, yeah, I, was, yeah. quite, I was like, wow, wow. Too Obviously, we didn't watch the whole thing because we watched the movie and we... Get through the because edge. you wanted to come record this podcast, I was perfectly happy. Let's just say that right now. I was perfectly happy to sit in the nice, comfy, cozy chair for another two hours, and you're like, nope, let's get going. Let's get recording. But we did see some of it. Anyway, um, <laughs> there's the Journey to Valkyrie featurette. We watched all the featurettes. Correct. And the Journey to Valkyrie... See, it'll be hard to determine which one's which, because we watched them all. The Journey to Valkyrie featurette. What were the other ones, and I can tell you The Road to Resistance featurette. The African Front sequence feature. That was fair, easy enough. That shows how <laughs> that sequence was filmed, which is good. That was a good one. I like taking it. to the air feature or talking to the air feature. <laughs> the missing extra. When I saw the title for taking to the air, I thought it said talking to the air. Now this is I'm admitting something to the world that I didn't have to tell anybody, right? So I see that title and I thought it said talking to the air. In the movie, there are lots of um, phone conversations that you hear one side of it. I actually thought <laughs> that they'd either made a montage or explained something about how it is to be an actor having a one-sided conversation on a phone. I honestly thought and that would that. be the most boring feature ever, right? <laughs> there's, guess what? We, we talk on a phone, and there's nobody on the other end. It's like, movie magic, like, everybody. Yeah, exactly. Like it's so like a stretch for an actor to pretend to be talking. But I actually, and then when it came up, and I was like, oh, taking to the air. It's about the airplanes. And it is actually... <laughs> and actually on the real subject of that, it's actually pretty interesting. It was really and, good. And I learned that Tom Cruise is a pilot. Yep. He, he, like yep. like John Travolta is a pirate. A pirate? pirate. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're also both Scientologists. And then there's the... Re- that comes with the religion. Oh, yes, yeah. Then there's the recreating uh, Berlin featurette. Which is... An, the, the featurettes are quite good, yeah, actually. very good. Um, that one's they, about the real They locations. do like to show the MGM logo before every, every single Every single one. The MGM and United Artists. Yeah. Like you're starting to watch a whole movie. Like, uh, there's another lesson for DVD people. You know what? We bought the DVD. We yeah. paid the money for the DVD. We don't need to see your logos every time they pop up. If you want to take that extra, 
put it on HBO or put it on television or put it in some other format or have it showing in like movie like blockbuster show stores or something, fair enough. Stick the little logos on there, right? But when we've bought it already, we don't need to watch them seven times in a row. No. And just kind of you let you can go. Yeah, come on, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it takes what ten seconds. It's yeah. still it's annoying. So um, the final extra is a second disc with the digital copy for your laptop or iPod, which I'm there's a you know I do disc these every week, but there's enough iPod slash iPhone users in the world to get use out of these things, I guess. You know? Why would you want to watch this movie on an iPod? Well, you never know. You love the movie and you're in the doctor's waiting room and you want to stick your headphones in and just watch a bit more of if it. If you've seen it before, yes, yeah. I, I agree. I wouldn't recommend watching any movie on your first viewing <laughs> on an iPhone, really. Um, Unless it's like Motel Hell, the original. Something like that. Yeah, so uh, the conclusion on this uh, movie for me is... I would say buy this one, actually. Because... That DVD is good. Uh, Blu-ray is good value considering it as a two-hour. How much is it? Um, you always ask me this, and I'm yep, never. Because if it's not it. in the fifteen-dollar range, it's not good. Well, value. no Blu-ray is in a fifteen-dollar uh, range. That's fair so. enough. <laughs> that is not good value. All right, so it's thirty dollars probably. Okay, that's too much. But um. But rent it and watch it, and it's really good. I say because it crosses over for me from that Hollywood movie making magic thing. To making me think about something in real life, which a lot of movies do, but some like this really make actually change the way I think about something in history. That's pretty awesome. So that doesn't necessarily actually the speak no- to the quality of the movie, does it? It just says the movie itself. But I, I enjoyed it. I would say any history person would be. And it's actually the number one selling Blu-ray disc in America right now. Valkyrie. thirty one fifty nine is the actual retail price. But if you go on... Well... Thirty nine ninety nine is the list price. Thirty one fifty nine at DVD Empire, but at Amazon, twenty three ninety nine. So they got to recoup all that cruise money yeah. that they spent on cruise. Um, so yeah, I, I really, I really enjoyed it. Um, kind of. Yeah. That's that's all I have to say. You know, it's not something that will stick with me forever. We move on to our, our recommendations. It's not the kind of wow that one of my recommendations has as a as a slant on a war movie kind of thing but it's just very you said utilitarian for him utilitarian overall but a great story a view really of a, a great part story. of history yeah that makes you go you know what maybe all these years i'm thinking every german was you know a jerk and they're not they're just like everybody else they just happen to have a asshole leader and, and an interesting thing that one of the extras also said just as a footnote to this is how the German government do not have memorials for anybody no. involved with Hitler's thing, obviously, right? Anyone in World War Two, but these, but these guys, the one little plaque in the little place, wherever, and there's like a wreath and their names, and that's it. And there's that's where else. that's how the movie became about because this guy, Quarry, noticed that and wondered like why, why is to there? research yeah. why is that and then that's where he whereas in America and in England I'm sure they're everywhere fallen soldiers oh from yeah all, all we have in our own we live in a state capital and so that is an interesting because it's a country's there's a country suppressing that it's a weird thing like because now we even learned that swastikas on airplanes are completely illegal like 100%. swastikas on anything right um Just, I don't know about everything but on the airplanes they said specifically yeah so yeah German government had out 
just, you know, obviously don't want Of course, of course. So, um, thank you to Fox for the Blu-ray disc. So it's Fox slash MGM, but there you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, movie recommendations for this week. I wanted to throw in two war movies that I really enjoyed a lot. One of them was The Great Escape, which deals with World War Two. Um, kind of in a... The Great Escape's not... It doesn't show the brute horrors of war, really, even though it's all based in a concentration camp. It's kind of uh, whimsical, almost. But I do like... I like a good... If it's, There's two kinds of movies I like. One of them... That's it? Just two? No, I'm saying if there's two kinds of movies that I really like, one of them is a really good crime heist slash caper. Right? You know, Correct. Like, I didn't particularly like Ocean the Ocean's movies, but there's plenty of... You know, I like anything that's... Or a, The Heist. <laughs> that no, one wasn't very good. No, and I was like, oh my god. Um, what was the one? The Lookout. That was a good one. Yes, and Italian Job. You, yeah, yeah. you like the original Italian Job. Yeah. But anyway, I like a good heist movie, and I like a good prison escape movie. And The Great Escape is escaping from a concentration camp in Nazi Germany. In an interesting way. You know, so I just really, I really like that movie, but yeah, it doesn't... Shawshank Redemption. Yeah, I love that too, but I was (laughs) thinking of war, you know? Yeah. And then secondly, uh, my other one is Schindler's List, which is probably... I know Saving Saving Private Ryan, I could have said that one. Because I hang my head in shame because I've never seen Schindler's List. No, you you need to. It's amazing, right? I I would say my, if you can say this, favourite movie about, um, (laughs) what do you call it, the... World War Two, Germany, Holocaust. Holocaust. My favorite film about the Holocaust, which doesn't sound right, <laughs> but it is. Favorite telling of part of that story. It's horrific, moving, well well made. Steven Spielberg. It's just good, you know. Sophie's Choice. That was another one that. Yeah, well, Schindler's List. I is epic too. I know that's mm. another thing. So yeah, if you've never seen it, you should see it. Is that, are you, is that is you recommending it to me directly? Very good. Um, mine are, this is the one I was saying, it takes a look at war from a different point of view, kind of. It's Miracle at St. Anna, which was the last Spike Lee movie that we watched. And it's really good. I mean, it takes a whole different kind of backdoor look at part, and it was, that was World War Two, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. A whole different place, point of view. It was in Italy, you know. Just something Dog, what were they called? Dog soldiers. They were like the... I can't remember. Specific, like the... In, well, we've, we did a whole podcast about it. Yeah, but yeah. they put a group of... Well, it was a platoon of black soldiers and it yes, was their story. Yes, yes. Which and is very me, unheard of. Nobody tells that story. So that's another one where it's a war story that you haven't... It's not just straight up, you know, same old, same old. And from 1986, a movie called Salvador, which is also another take on... I did see that. Uh aspects of a war that we don't have any knowledge of, you know, in Central America, El Salvador. It starts with the three American nuns being executed and then a reporter's involved. It's got um, James Woods in it and James Belushi. I don't know now if the quality is what I remember it, but I remember thinking at the time, because I was only 18 years old, how would an impact and sort of like, oh, what I see on the news and what I hear about wars and stuff isn't isn't even touch it. You know what I mean? You never know this kind of stuff. And so that, it's called Salvador. It's- and I would add a third, uh, a third 
recommendation of a war movie. And it's, this is probably, in my opinion, the ultimate war movie of all of any of these. I don't know why I messed it off here. And it's Apocalypse Now. Mm. Amazing movie. And I've got something to say about it a little later on. So next week's Blu-ray review will be Falling Down. Um, Very good. You just reviewed it. <laughs> anyway, yeah, it'll be Falling Down uh, on Blu-ray. So that will be next week. Uh, games and A-Scully stuff. Games and A-Scully stuff. Yeah. Dun. Okay, so uh, this week I've been playing... Um, if anyone would like to make us a little tune for that, that'd be great. Because if you don't, <laughs> we're going to hear that every time. So um, I've been playing this week, and there's a game that I... Bionic Commando. Um, it's a game from Capcom. I have fond memories of it from the Super Nintendo, Nintendo era. They've done a 3D remake. I absolutely wanted to love it. But I dislike it. Oh, that sucks. I feel that it... Let you down? Yeah, totally. I, I, you know what? The first like half an hour I was kind of into it. And then when I realized what it was, it just... Because after having been so amazed by Street Fighter 4, and then also loving the new um, Space Invaders, then here comes another one that's like, oh, hey, my, my retro past is coming back to... Retro past. Like, that. that is what it is. But your past... Pleasurable memories come back to be improved upon, and yet it wasn't. No, and it, and it it captures what the first game was about. This, you know, you have a bionic arm that you can attach to things and swing, kind of like Spider Man. It does capture that, but the game is like it's just full of problems. It's like uh, if you die, and it's an instant death. It's not just like you know, if I swing across a chasm and fall down, I fall down the chasm and I'm dead. It's instant. It says game over in the old school. You press A to continue. 15 seconds later, you respawn. 15 seconds. Wow, that's a long time. So if I fall down that chasm five times, it's like, oh, you know? So it just kind of takes the pacing out of the game. I just didn't like it. The graphics are really good. They've captured the essence of it, but it's just technically... Right. So I kind of give up after about an hour, and I don't think I'll go back to it. So I wasn't into it. Second game. I played it. It's been the week of bad games, to be honest. The second game is Terminator Salvation, which I do like the Terminator movies. I'm not mega excited for the new Terminator movie, Terminator, which is in cinemas this week. I'm not mega excited for it. Um, I will watch it eventually. The game, I'll, I didn't know what it was even. It's kind of like a cheap Gears of War that is made by a three-year-old. It's like really bad. Oh my god! <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. I mean, it's really bad. That's the, high praise. I finished the game and it... I finished it on the normal difficulty. These easy, normal and hard. So I did it on the normal difficulty. Actually, it took me two and a half hours start to finish. I did it in one sitting. Is this a $60 game? Yes. Holy crap! Um, there's no replayability. The, the, you know, it sends Terminators and stuff at you. It doesn't follow the plot of the movie. It's kind of a weird one of those weird ones again. The Terminators are crappy. The animation's really bad. They're like, you know, little, like little, you know, those little robots that you wind up and put them on your yeah. table. Kind of walk like that. It's really bad. This, I think, there's five enemies in the game that you shoot just over and over and oh. over. A flying one, one that walks. None of them look different. It's just, None of them come up out of the floor like the guy or nothing. Oh no, no Arnold Schwarzenegger. No nothing. It's the worst. You know when I, when we talk, I say movie games are sometimes just real rushed and terrible. It's a prime example of that. 
but with no nothing. Versus the quality that Wolverine had. That yeah, game. Wolverine was like absolutely the way to do a movie game. Add something to it that makes you want to sit and play it, but this one, no. And two and a half hours for $60. You've got to be joking, really. Um, and then I watched a couple of movies this week, which had nothing to do with reviews or anything, but I finally got around, I said I would, a couple of weeks ago, David Fincher's The Game with Michael Douglas. I really enjoyed it. Super detailed as usual. Um, kind of a high concept story. A uh, little bit pretentious and of, of its time. I, I kind of Very got of its time, yeah. Yeah, you know like when you watch something like another Michael Douglas film like Wall Street. It's kind of stamped in that year, isn't it? Yes. You know? And this is too. It's kind of got that yuppie-ish thing about it. It's an interesting story. It's full of twists. I actually saw where it was going, though, about halfway through. It was, it's a bit slightly transparent. But a good ride. I did like some of the stuff that was happening to him. I don't want to explain too much, because, like, mm. if you might want to see it. And it is... if you can't, Even if you know the premise of Does it... Does it feel like a David Fincher movie? I don't remember it feeling like Yeah, I totally Fincher. think it Does did. It? Yeah, it's super detailed. Like, you know something like Zodiac, where I say, like, every, oh, yeah. every single set, every single s- shot is like so detailed there's like the detail down to like look at what books are on them shelves tells you about that guy it's like that exactly and Michael Douglas I you know I think Michael Douglas is brilliant but all the way back to streets in San Francisco that I used to watch every weekend (laughs) Um, and then the other movie I actually watched a documentary yesterday afternoon while you was out called Heart of Darkness which is it's the documentary on it was the documentary that Francis Ford Coppola's wife made while he was making Apocalypse Now. So she went with him on the on the trip to make the movie. And she says that she thinks it was because he wanted to keep her busy. She had three or four kids, you know, uh, at the time. but And they all came with him as well. But she made a fly-on-the-wall documentary of the entire filming process of wow. Apocalypse Now, which is unheard of in them days because there was no DVD extras to yeah, film no. for. So, to me, and I'm a, I'm a massive Apocalypse Now fan, it's a brilliant um, movie. I think it's a genius work of art masterpiece. Uh, Francis Ford Coppola didn't think that at the time. He was going through like a personal crisis and... He'd already filmed The Godfather, but like things were things were on him at this point. Like as to he had to impress the studio. You want it was a huge production, bigger than any movie had ever been in in its time. There was crap going on. Like he'd signed a deal with Marlon Brando to play Kurtz, and then Marlon Brando <clears throat> was giving him crap over the phone, saying they they po- they'd rescheduled some shoots out there, you know. And so Marlon Brando was a his deal was, I'm going to come out there for three weeks, we'll film my stuff, and then I'll be gone. And that will cost you $3 million, a million dollars a week. But I want a million dollars up front before I even come out there to secure it. So they give him the million dollars, and then some shoots get scheduled around, and they have to phone Marlon Brando and say, can you come a week later? And then he was like, I'm not even interested in this movie. Don't want to do it. I'm keeping the million. I'm just staying here. There was all this kind of uh, drama around the thing. Things totally black still. There was also um, a uh, interesting drama with. It was supposed to be, um, you know, Martin Sheen's the yeah star of uh, 
Apocalypse Now. Well, it was supposed to be... Well, it wasn't Martin Sheen originally. It was Harvey Keitel who was cast. Harvey Keitel came out, they started filming the movie. Three or four days later, when they started looking at the dailies, Coppola didn't like him. Oh, wow. So they recast while they were on on location. And there's that because she's filming him all the time. And there's some interesting footage where he's just like, I don't give a crap, um... Kaitel's no good. We'll phone um, and he's naming off like all these top actors like Clint Eastwood and people like that. And eventually, you know, they got to Martin Sheen. He's a bit of a big baby, I think, Francis Forco. But I know you think he's a genius, but he's also very, very much like only child syndrome. If, We've seen him in other fits of rage and with a dog dog father. <laughs> I will tell Godfather. you, to, you I've got that. It's on, I love the, to see it. it's on the home theater PC. It's, it's a documentary. Um, watch it. It's a real interesting look into... You don't see anything. No. You don't see the making of a seventies movie ever, really, because nobody thought of it, did they? Then? No. Well, there are very few, but yeah, and you know, it, and it's from the very personal perspective of his wife, and it actually affects their relationship a little bit because it's very stressful. Let me say, yeah, he's getting he's under fire from everything, and he's a young, you know, he's not. An, it sounds like same drama from The Godfather. Seriously, yeah. we saw the behind. He had film from that as well when he threw the phone and yeah. had a big fit about something, and the studio wanted to shut him down. I and- can understand his stress because this particular thing was <laughs> the film company had trusted him and sent him off to this remote location to make this crazy. You you've seen yeah. Apocalypse now? It's yeah. a huge movie. I mean, even now today, I think that is a huge like a big movie. You know, and you know, there's not unlimited money in them days and. The budget's skyrocketing, and the, the newspapers are all reporting that this movie is on the ropes. It's the star. Remember, they've pulled the star out of it at the first hurdle, and you know all this kind of stuff. You have to also remember this is right on the heels of Vietnam. We're not talking about twenty or thirty years later either. It's raw. Yeah, oh yeah. It's like right on the end of it, so everybody's probably like tuned up to be like, oh, you know. But the re- the reason the movie's called Heart of Darkness is because. There's a book called Heart of Darkness, which is not about Vietnam. It's about these guys going up the Congo River and, like, a descent into darkness. So it's, it's like this old book where these guys are traveling the Congo River and then they meet with this weird tribe and they end up as so cannibals. So happened and, to Brando. Yeah, so... I mean, Kurtz. Yeah, so that's where Apocalypse Now takes from that book a little bit. But the rest of it is around the Vietnam War. Right. So. But it's really interesting. I highly recommend it. It's, it's a, awesome. I love documentaries. It's a Showtime documentary um, from then. But, I mean, it, it was in cinemas. It, they actually put that in cinemas. Um, so, yeah, Heart of Darkness. Uh, and that's it. I've, that's all I've got for this oh, week. What I have, what's for dinner? I have no idea. I actually have no idea. What would you like? Me? Mm-hmm. Who, Who, me? me? Oh. Beetlejuice from Yeah, it was me. So what? <laughs> I don't know. I'm quite hungry, and I'm going on the treadmill straight after this. So yeah? I need a f- chicken sounds interesting. What kind of... Fr- okay. Okay, I'll go from there. Yeah. Um, I, I think I'll get some more of those tofurkey sausages. I really love those. And make me a burrito or something, but I'll make you something, too. Chicken burrito. Okay. Oh, good. Then I can get all the same ingredients except for those two things. Okay. Chicken burrito. We decided we're on air. Right there on the air. Woo! And then uh, kind of a foot, kind of a linking to this next thing. Yesterday I spent the day with uh, some of my friends from high school, which of course was 23 years ago. Old lady. 
Oh my god, no kidding? Seriously? Because between... Here's some of the things that we discussed. Our arthritis medicine, our reading glasses, stool softener medicine, uh, having um, emphysema, etc., etc. It sounds like Hysterect- a right. Hysterectomies. Between the three of them, they have nine children. Uh, I have none. But there was a lot of old ladyish going on. But then again, we were on our own. Going to, it's very nearby here, it's a lake kind of district where people bring all their boats and people party and, you know, it's one of those kind of like vacation summer town kind of places. And me being the person I am, always being the fat one in the group forever from the time I was 10 years old, right? And then these women who, girls then, women now, who always trying to, you know, talking about, oh, do these shirts look okay? Does this shirt match this skirt? And do these shoes look cool? And does my hair look okay? You know, all that kind of stuff. Just have... That just how things never change. That the one person who has always been the one who does her hair trendy and does her nails and has the makeup and the fake tan and the little tight clothes and she's thin and doesn't eat carbs and carries her bag on, on her elbow, you know, like, you know, the whatever. And I love her to death. I'm just saying that's the kind of, that's how she looks on the surface, right? When we walk up to the guy at the door, it's like, ladies, I'm going to need to see your IDs, uh-huh, but you, young lady, oh, blah, 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 because she's she's the same age as the rest of us, but because she presents that fake bullshit look that men, I don't know, your dick gets hard right away, I don't know what the deal is. It's very dehumanizing to everyone else. Now, I don't give a shit about that guy's opinion, necessarily, but I'm telling you, it's like, I don't get it. So then as we're watching everyone, I'm sort of just, I had a beer and a bunch of water. And they're drinking like these fruity tooties or whatever the drinks are called with like tons of rum and vodka and whatnot. And I'm just watching all the people down below dancing and getting drunker and drunker and thinking, you know, it just doesn't appeal to me at all. This going out party thing. I love my friends dearly, but I'd rather have been sitting in our living room eating snacks and, you know... Having a cup of tea, so that you're old. That's my old. <laughs> now observing people, that's fascinating because I'm, I'm telling you, when you start watching twenty and thirty somethings mingle together and lots of booze is involved and the live guy playing the music and singing all of the favorites, you know, um, Margaritaville and Friends in Low Places, which you of course have no idea what I'm talking about. No but, idea. <laughs> I got friends in low places where the whiskey is something, 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 and of course everybody knows the words, everybody puts their drinks up. Now, the one woman I found actually compelling in a strange way, even after what I've just said, is she had some black bikini bottoms on and star stickers just stuck on her nipples, black stars, and that's it. Well, like a worker. Uh, No, she was just a patron. Uh Just a... A what? Huh? No, a woman. That was her clothes. Why would you go to a bar like that? Because it's a bar on the lake. Everyone's in swimsuits right, and bikinis. Right, right. But yeah, her, but with duct tape over you. It wasn't duct tape. They're, it, was an, it was an actual thing, an oh, ensemble. Okay. But the top is just two star stickers that are stuck over your nipples and then black bikini bottoms. Interesting. <laughs> she was the most interesting person I uh, was uh, spying on, I guess. from We were sitting on the level up above and you look down in the dog pit, as they like to call it, where all the people are dancing Sounds and classy. drinking. Not really. But it's that. it's a very specific... You know the people across the street that you have spoken to where he said... Don't say they're my friends because they're not. <laughs> no, right. They're people across the street. And he said, we got to get a good stereo in the boat because you get a lot of hot pussy. Those people. Those were the people in the dog pit. <laughs> yeah, I'd only... I'd only the, guy come, the guy waves me across the garden and then I start talking to him. <laughs> and within five minutes, he's telling me about hot pussy. 
And how he gets it with the hot stereo and his big boat. With his, with his bear belly and his lobster tongue. His extra... Yeah, he's like... Extra, <laughs> oh, he's like overdone. He's like well done and just like... Rah, you know, I don't know. It's that culture. And while I can sit back and look at it and judge everyone from a distance, I don't mean judge like... I don't care if you get drunk and screw strangers. I actually don't care. I have been young myself at one point. But I'm saying the culture... And there were people there, 40s, 50s, 60s years old, of all kinds... But it's just that party thing, and I did have some good French fries. So, and we had a really nice waitress. Her name was Frankie. So there you go. She was good. And uh, beyond that, I've still been playing zombies, uh, Plants vs. Zombies. Every day, I got a little get a little fix. <laughs> it's hard to resist. It's a good game, isn't it? It's never ending. Except now, you've had the nerve to tell me that The Sims Three is coming out next week. Next week, and that will be on my. Uh, on my list of Radar. to do things. Yes. I'm very excited. So I'm going to have to play out my Plants vs. Zombies. And then... And if you're waiting for Sims 3, it's actually out next Tuesday. So a week. You In know. Plants vs. Zombies Part 2, which I'm hoping they're going to make, they should do... Of course they will A Sim it. zombie that has a little diamond above their head. They should do the Terminator zombie. I thought of this last night with the red eyes. You know, the... Like naked with red eyes, kind of zombie. <laughs> I had a bunch of them in my mind. There's no doubt so cool. there will be a Plants vs. Zombies too because it's sold really well, and and they've done it with all their other games, Bejeweled, Peggle, the whole lot. I think they should do like a superheroes pack that you can download. That's got like a Batman zombie and Spider Man zombie and all that kind of stuff if they can. But because that'd be so funny because it's just a fun and cheap, you know, fun and cheap game. Uh, the, and cheap they'll game. obviously add new plants to a new version, wouldn't they? Different that does different stuff. And, and there it, are cheats for it. So if you're playing and you don't realize it, and you don't do your little wisdom wisdom tree to learn stuff, there are some words you can type while you're playing. Not that, really cheats, just fun. No, no, things. yeah, just fun little things, little codes you can type in, and you can. You still have to play the game, let's say. Oh I yeah, mean, you do, you and can. it's fun. It's actually the kind of game that you don't want to cheat on. Because and I'm a cheater. I love cheating. Big, because it's very, uh, once you do do a level that you've been stuck on and you do it and the thing pops up and you press it, you, it, you feel accomplishment. Like right? me. I'm yeah. doing the pogo thing and it's driving me... But it's an accomplishment. Yeah. You're like, oh yeah, I did it. Oh, I did the pogo thing, didn't yeah, I? Did, yeah. Oh, I was so tired, I forgot. Oh my god, that was a relief. I'd done it like 50 times. I'm still times. stuck on the last stand one. Last stand's tough, man. I'm near the end of it, but I'm stuck on it. Anyway, uh... Thank you thank you for listening to the podcast. Thank I you. want to remind you about our websites, ascully.com, sidtalk.com. You can also go to twitter.com slash ascully, twitter.com slash sidtalk. And thank you to all the new followers this week and all the nice comments I got on Twitter from people who listen to the show. You did um, do the contest. I gave, away a, I gave away a um, ticket to see Up this week. And I also got quite a few comments from different people who listen to the show who I've never spoke to before. It's kind of interesting. Um, oh, I feel all pressured now. <laughs> uh, because before I thought it was just me and you. <laughs> no, we do until have... now I never knew people were listening. Uh, we've also got Facebook.com, Xbox Live, Ascoli Live, Sid Talk. You can find this podcast on the iTunes Music Store, the Zoom Marketplace, or the RSS feed. Go to the webpage Ascoli.com, click on Podcasts, and you'll find all seven. If you want to see my artwork, you can go to Etsy.com and you'll... look up Sid Talk. Yes. But if you click on the word podcast, you will find all 71 episodes of After the Show. You had already said that. I hadn't finished it. Well, I think everybody got the gist. Um, And you can also, you can subscribe as well. A lot of people don't, probably don't know about subscribing to podcasts. But I'm sure a majority of people use an iPod. Um, 
and or a Zune. I would probably say an iPod or an iPhone even. But if you do, if you or a Zune. But if you do have an iPod or an iPhone and you don't know about this, if you open iTunes and click on the podcast section, type in the words a Scullycast or after the show, you will see our little page with this podcast. If you press the word subscribe, it will automatically be delivered to your iPhone or iPod once a week, which means you don't have to go looking for it or clicking anything. What about the past ones? Does it get them all to you first? It will if you need them. If not, you can choose not to sync them. And it's the same with the Zoom. You can also subscribe in the same way. And once you've pressed that button once, it will always come. You don't have to worry about it. And a lot of people don't get that. And there's also desktop applications... If you don't use iTunes or a Zoom, you just listen to it on your PC. I use one called Happy Fish, which is happyfish.de, I believe, the website. It's free. You tell it where you, you click on a subscribe button for a podcast like ours. It puts it into the feed and then it refreshes it every so often and gives you the newest episode. I use that one because I listen to everything on my PC. Hmm. Um, so podcasting is really easy if you um, know what to do and the tools. Uh, and you can also email, email feedback to aschoolatasechoolat.com uh, uh, but not sidtalk sidtalk.com and I just want to say that's my email address thank you but if you send me an email and I don't reply it's because it went to my spam folder and he tries to make it out like some I'm big evil bad guy here but I'm not I just don't see them all and I want to say stay classy Tom Cruise and uh, I appreciate that you learned about three lines of German but next time just learn the entire movie in German thank you <laughs> And I'm going to say, think for yourself, everyone. Because someday you might need to uh, stage a coup against some horrible dictator. With a mustache. Or without. <laughs> <laughs>